Welcome to Work From The Inside Out, a podcast that highlights real-life stories, practical strategies, and best practices for transitioning your career from unhappiness and dissatisfaction to fulfillment, meaning, and joy. Now here is your host, career and executive coach, Tammy Guler loeb Hey, everyone. I am so excited to introduce my guest to you today, Dr. Isabel Hunsinger. Isabel is a Cuban-American and has been a medical doctor since 1991. The only reason she went into the medical field was because she wanted to help people. Isabel wanted to get to the root of the disease, not just throw a Band-Aid on it. Her goal is to see people healed. In 2000, her husband and their two young daughters moved to New Zealand to see what it's like to experience a different culture of the world. What a crazy and life-changing decision for their family. With her husband, culinary nutrition expert, Chef Michael, she has created the brand of Doctor on a Mission, where they prevent and reverse disease and give hope. Her expertise is in Alzheimer's, dementia, cognitive decline, anxiety, depression, and diabetes. She's been doing telemedicine for the past seven years with an online business of DoctorOnAMission.com, where she offers online courses and one-to-one coaching. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Isabel Hunsinger. Welcome, Isabel. Hi, Tammy. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. So, Isabel, as you know, on Work From the Inside Out, we like to start with some of the earlier years, some of your formative years. You've had such a fascinating career and so many twists and turns, and I know you're going to share a lot of that with us. Take us back to some of those earlier years and and tell us um, where where some of it began and how that had led up to where you are today. Sure, I'd love to. Well, it all began when my mom got me that game Operation. Remember that game? Oh, yes, I had it. Yeah, I I, I was always hitting the sides and everything buzzing and lighting up. Yep. And I really, me too. I hit the sides too. And I really love playing that game. (laughs) I think, I think I was about five years old. So that is one of the places where it started the operation game. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also had a wonderful uncle. His name was Dio Jolito, who unfortunately has Alzheimer's now, but he was an anesthesiologist that was trained in Cuba and then came to America to work. But he had one of these personalities, Tammy, where he would walk into the room and just light it up. Do you Mm. know that type of person? Yeah, absolutely. And he just made you feel so good. I couldn't even believe he was an anesthesiologist because all of his patients were sleeping, you know, when you're. (laughs) That's true. But he was so lovely. And I just remember saying to my mom, I want to be a doctor and I want to be a doctor like Diolito. Uh-huh. So that's that's where it all started. And then later on, um, I mom and dad divorced and da- I went to go live with my father down in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, ah. Argentina, mm-hmm. from 
um, until from 1972 to 76. And I remember when I came back, no, 78, when I came back to America, I was looking in the back of a Mother Jones magazine, looking for a place to go work. And there was this job, um, volunteer, of course, working in an organic farm in Pennsylvania. So then I worked there for three months. And then that's where I got the bug to do organic farming. So now I went, yeah. So now I went from being a doctor to an organic farmer. So wait, were you already a doctor when you? No, 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 I wasn't already. I had just gotten out of uh, high school. Oh, I see. And then moved back to America. Oh, I see. So you you had grown up in in the U.S. and then moved with your dad to Argentina. Yes, for my high school I years. See. For yeah. your high school years, and then yeah. came back to the U.S. and and got this three month gig at the organic farm in Pennsylvania. Yes, exactly. Oh, fun. fun. Yeah. So those are the two. Those two areas are really pretty big in my life. You know, becoming yeah. a doctor and then becoming an organic farmer. So mm-hmm. th- those were monumental. Yeah. And then the rest of the journey begins. Tell us, tell us everything. (laughs) Well, then I moved to Boulder, Colorado and um, decided to just really hone in on becoming a doctor Mm -hmm. because I tried, I tried farming. I tried agriculture. Oh, you did. uh, And I, yeah. And I really just, I'm not a farmer because I like to talk to people. And Mm -hmm. when, you know, when you're studying farming, you're just talking to plants and I'm not a plant person. I, I love eating plants, but I don't like talking to them. I like talking to human beings. So did you start off in, in college trying to study agriculture? Is that what you yes. thought you'd want to do? So yes. because you, it sounds like you also possibly had it on your mind that you might want to go for a medical degree or were you, what made you decide to go the agriculture route versus the medical route? Oh, because it was easier. I mean, to become a doctor, gosh, you've got to have confidence. You got to have a good GPA. But then I, um, I did that for a semester. I think I did that for two semesters and I just said, nah, I don't like this agriculture thing. So then, um, we moved, I moved to Boulder, Colorado and got a couple of waitressing jobs. And I remember one day, I was serving a cocktail and somebody pinched, some guy pinched my bottom. And I I said, I will never put up with this again. I'm going to become a doctor. Wow, you're (laughs) kidding. So that was like, it was like just one of those defining moments. Yeah. Wow. I was like, if I don't do something about this now, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be serving cocktails for the rest of my life and men are going to be pinching my bottom. So thank you for whoever did that because you changed my life. Wow. And and you stayed in the Boulder area for medical school. Is that right? I went to to Denver, Colorado. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I got my residency in Colorado and then that helped me get into uh, the University of Colorado Health Science Center Medical I School see. in Denver, Colorado. Uh huh. And yeah. what was your what was your? I mean, once you got through the basics, what was your residency in? Family practice. Uh huh. Nice. Yeah, 
Yeah. And family practice, um, at first it was going to be emergency medicine, but um, that just didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. That was too That was too crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up doing family practice. And family practice, I did it in Pueblo, Colorado. And I loved family practice because it was like, yeah. yes, I get to take care of the whole family from yeah. birth to death, you know? Yeah, nice. That's very holistic. That's just right. the way I like to be. Right, right. And, and during that time that you were in medical school and internship and residency, I assume that the the farmer side of you was probably not as involved or active in farming at that point. Am I right? No, no, you're right. You're right. However, I knew that food was important. Yes. For our health. Yeah. But that wasn't being taught in our training. Well, I was just going to say, I bet that made you unique amongst your peers or (laughs) your instructors, because we know that it's not taught in traditional medicine, right? Right. So what a bonus added yes. for anyone that, who that, has you that in always, position. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I happen to know that it's not really, I mean, maybe it's taught a little bit more now, but it's certainly not the emphasis in, in traditional Western medicine for sure. Right. N- not yet, yeah. but it's, ah. it's getting, it, not yet. Underline the word, yet. underline bold. Uh, increase font yet. <laughs> Got it. Well, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. So, so throughout this period of time, you you said medical school was was harder, but it sounds like you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you were where you wanted to be. Yes, absolutely, mm. absolutely, mm. absolutely. I was where I wanted to be. And, um, and then, gosh, I was 34 and my time clock was ticking and I was in my last year of residency. And, um, I said to my husband, we got to have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we went ahead, had our first baby in my last year of residency. Uh Uh And then we had a second one, uh, 22 months later. <laughs> Perfect. Good time, yeah. right? Yeah. Just have your family quick and fast between yeah. ages of 34 and 36. Perfect. And then, and then um, I was in practice in, uh, out in the Western slopes of Colorado called Battlement Mesa, right outside Rifle, Colorado. And, oh, that was, that was um, quite an experience. Because what I realized was I was becoming unhappy with medicine already. Within five years, I was already unhappy with medicine because I realized we don't have healthcare. We've got disease management. Yes. We don't have healthcare. We've got disease management. And so people would just come and see me like every three months for their pill repeat or, you know, then, or I'd refer them off to surgery. I just didn't see my peeps, my patients as peeps, you know, people. Do you use peeps in America? Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my, uh, my, my patients just weren't getting any better. And I was like, this is so wrong. There's got, and also the HMOs were really in control. They, they started mm. to be really in control. Well, that's really what drives a lot of that, I think. Right. Yes. And I remember yeah. one day I was calling to get approval for a CAT scan for a head CT um, by the from, from this HMO. And this 18 year old said, no, you can't have it. You don't, she doesn't qualify. And I was so peeved. 
Yeah. That I've got this 18 year old following this logarithm mm-hmm. um, algorithm and and she's telling me I can't take care of my patient correctly because she doesn't fit the. OK, so what if she does have a brain tumor and. And you're telling me I can't figure it out, I can't find out. So I just I just was really upset with that. And that that, again, was another monumental push off the off the fence for me. And I remember one one winter night, my husband and I were talking and it was snowing and we were having a beautiful glass of red wine. I said, babe, let's go move to some other part in the world. You know, I was 40 at the time. I go weak. I'm a medical doctor trained in America. I can go anywhere to help heal the world, you know, anywhere. Yeah. Let's go someplace where everybody gets health care. Yeah. And so then we began spinning the globe and we found Colorado. And I remember skiing with the Kiwis. That's what they call uh-huh. New Zealanders, Kiwis. I remember skiing with the Kiwis in Colorado during wow. my spring break or on the weekends. And uh-huh. I loved their accent. And I said, someday I'm going to move to your country because I want to get your accent. So that's too funny. I, I still don't have the accent, but my kids have the accent. Oh, that's so funny. Now they, they must've been pretty young when you moved there. Four and six. Yeah. Four and wow. six. Yeah. So, um, so that was a big deal to make. Yeah. Move. yeah. Yeah. So we moved here in 2000. So we've wow. been here for tw- close to 21 years. And, and what was that like to, to make that move and to move your, your family and your whole career over there? Say, say a little more about that. Uh, very stressful. Yeah. How yeah. So? Uh, because it was all on my back to, to make financially. It was all on my back because my husband was going to be the stay at home dad in America in New Zealand. Ah, okay. And, and then, um, and so, and to learn a new system in another country was very stressful. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine uh, and then in a, in New Zealand, they were already on the computer. They're so light years ahead. They were already on the computer. So there was no hand notes. It was all on the computer. So you had to learn the computer and stuff. But hey, we made it. And- well, now, was it, I'm curious. So if they were already on the computer and things here were still, I mean, I, I remember what, where we were at. I remember I I had a computer back then, but it was like an Amber screen and it was very, it was more like word processing back then. So uh, I'm wondering, there must've been a number of surprises when you arrived there only because there, your ability to even get the information you needed to prepare to go there or to establish yourselves there. I would imagine that a lot of the information you didn't get till you actually got there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And one of the big information pieces of information is I couldn't understand the Kiwis. Ah. <laughs> They'd come in and talk to me and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I can't, we all speak English, but I can't even understand. <laughs> right. Well, isn't that interesting though? You know, that we speak the same language, but we really have different meanings behind things and, really completely different cultures, right? Yes. Yeah. So that took me about six months to get used to it. Did you know what you needed? I would imagine you did, but did you know what you needed to do to establish yourself as a physician over there? 
Well, I started working in a practice. So they, oh. they recruited me to come. Oh, yeah, okay. I, w- I was recruited by a company to go work with them. And it was a group. It was a group of like about 20 doctors. I see. So yeah. that was that that helped to connect some of the. Oh, doctors. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They 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 slipped me in and trained me and stuff while I was I there. See. I would have never done that on my own to start my own practice. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you moved over there, you got yourself established in, in the, um, in with this practice, you got your family settled in, it was hugely stressful, but it was exactly what you wanted. Did you have any regrets once you got over there or was no, it? No, 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 yeah. I really, we never for one moment thought about moving back to America. Mm. Has it? Just turn like you. I know you don't have any regrets, but I'm curious if it actually fulfilled what you intended it to fulfill, or has it actually just turned out differently? It has totally turned out differently Ooh. because my my whole idea was I'm going to go to a country where everybody has health care, and so there's no restrictions, and I can help heal the world because right. that's just I still to this day I want to heal help heal the world before my bedtime. You know, yeah. my final bedtime. My final. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Bye bye. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> and um. And when I got here, I realized, oh, my gosh, we don't have a healthcare system here. We've got disease management, even with everybody having access. Wow. So so that must have been a little bit of a shock because that's sort of what you were trying to leave behind, right? Yes, yes. And to find the fast foods in this country were all over the place, which blew my mind. I really thought I was going to come to a a clean, pristine place, you know, that wasn't really infected <laughs> with fast food, but it's here and it's hot. So it's you definitely thought, you thought New Zealand was Shangri-La. Yeah. <laughs> well, doesn't everybody? Yeah, I I have an image of that a little bit. Yeah, I've never been there. So yeah. I I would have imagined something very, very well, I'm sure it's very different and distinct. And yet, um, yeah, I would have had I would have had some images of that. So so there you were, you were 40 and you still had this idealism. I think you still have some idealism in you. But, but, <laughs> right. But it's in, it's interesting, though, to I think for the audience to hear this, too, that you know, that you can still hold on to your ideals, even if they're not all met and still have those ideals carry you through, even if the way they play out changes, right? So you had this idea, it got you over there, you get over there and you find out, oh, they're treating diseases here too. And they're eating, you know, fast food. And it's not as pristine as I thought. Okay, well, that doesn't necessarily change your mission. It just, but there was something about still staying there that felt right to you. So what what was that like once you realized that some of the same issues that you were facing here had followed you over there? Well, that's very interesting because, you know, when you, you get frustrated sometimes, you know, that saying when you get frustrated or when when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Have you ever heard that one? 
I think I have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or if you don't know what your next step is, the step shows up. So that's yes. what happened to me. Right. I got exposed to in um, 2005, I got exposed to functional medicine. Uh-huh, and functional yep. med- yeah. And so functional medicine is like the way to take care of people long-term. It's teaching people how to become the CEO of their health. Yep. It's absolutely. getting to, it's looking at people's foundation, you know, and, or the root causes of their disease and helping take, take care of the root. You know, if the root is a weed, get rid of the weed. Right. And if you right, got to plant right. a new plant, then plant a new plant that's going to help them blossom. So mm-hmm. then I started learning functional medicine mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. This is amazing. And then, so fast forward from 2005 to 2013, um, I just was having a conversation with my husband. He saw how unhappy I was in private practice. Um, And I said, babe, I really, really, really want to go and start an online business. Mm -hmm. And I want to start teaching more people bigger groups of people around the world, how to take better care of themselves, how to prevent and reverse disease and give them hope in the process. Because right now conventional medicine doesn't really have, doesn't give people hope. They just say, here's a pill, see me in three months. And I'm like, ah, you're not dealing with the problem. Right, right, right. right. So Michael, Michael and I both agreed that I was going to give away private practice. And then I started, we started um, our online business called Doctor on a Mission. So I'm 22, right. that's 2013. Yeah. I'm 50, I'm 53. Yeah. I and, love it. I love that you started something new at 53. Oh yeah. Yeah. I might even start learning how to golf when I'm 70. I Maybe. love it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. um, and so 2013, um, here I am. I find myself as a mother, a wife, a medical doctor, and a brand new entrepreneur. Love it. Something that has never been taught in medical school. We're not taught how to be entrepreneurs. Definitely not. Um, (laughs) And then a year later, the business was still, you know, it still hadn't taken off. And I was 54 and menopausal perimenopausal. And I wasn't sleeping. And when I get anxious, I don't sleep. And so I went through 17 nights of only sleeping two to three hours every night. Mm. And I, you know, by the end of that 17 nights, I tried to take my life twice in three days. Wow. And By the grace of God, that plan was stopped by my daughter. And then my husband took me to go see my doctor. And my doctor said, "Mm, you need to see the psychiatrist. And boom, you know, for a medical doctor to have to see a psychiatrist is a big deal. I mean, you start thinking you're crazy. You start thinking, wow, I'm really a mess. And I was a mess. And I remember the psychiatrist. He was a great guy. I I was so grateful to have him. He gave me the medicine I needed to sleep because I so needed to sleep. Yeah. Uh, But I remember him saying to me, Isabel, you're going to be on this antidepressant. You need to take it for the rest of your life. And I remember, you know, at that point, Tammy, I was totally obedient. Whatever you got to do to get me back to normal, I will do. 
And so, look, I took the medicine. I was, and I'm not again against antidepressants. There mm. is a place for antidepressants. Yeah, but there's a bigger picture involved here to anxiety sure. and depression. Sure, absolutely. And so what happened was I went on a five-year journey. And during that five-year journey, I just learned how to pivot my, my game, pivot. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. My husband and I spent a lot of money, but now, now we're way over on the other side mm-hmm. and I'm off my antidepressants safely. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I don't need to take those anymore because I have figured out the root causes of why I was anxious and depressed that are not being addressed in medicine. I've learned how to become the CEO of my health. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many women in their 40s and 50s and 60s that are in this place that are automatically just put on antidepressants Mm -hmm. and they're not being taught. It's a bigger picture. So that's why we started... That's why we started the Bossy Brain Solution. Ah, the Bossy Brain Solution. Tell us more. Uh, Well, the Bossy Brain Solution is a private Facebook group, essentially for women between the ages of 40 to 60, Mm -hmm. to help them learn how to win the war over anxiety and depression, Mm. because it is a war. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And we just teach people how I did it and how they can too. And my husband walks alongside with me on this to help women and their partners know, hey, look, if you've got a wife or a a girlfriend who's got anxiety and depression and you're the man or you're the other significant person, here's what not to do. Here's Mm. what you can do and here's what you don't wanna do. So I teach people how to work with their doctor, you know, to get these things answered. That's so important. And you do have to be equipped to fight the battle to win the war, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not I'm not shy to say, hey, if your doctor's not willing to work with you, then it's time to go find another doctor. Yes. And absolutely. you go and interview other doctors. That's right. That's right. Because your doctor works for you. Right. You don't work for your doctor. You The doctor works for you. Really? Just a little reminder. I never- I never knew that. <laughs> I come from a family of doctors, so I, I've always seen them as people, but but I understand how a lot of people see it differently. Yeah. So this is this is great. So um so I wanted to also so this is very important information, I think both for for women and and for the men in their lives or the other women in their lives, whoever, whoever they, whoever they're close to. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, but I also wanted to touch upon a couple of other things that, that you and I have talked about. I know that you also have um, included in your career, you went to Bosnia with Patch Adams to do yes, clowning. Yes, that changed my life too. Yes, I know it did. And I wanted I wanted to uh I wanted to touch upon that a little bit because um it's something that that I know that you feel really good about. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure. Well, Patch was um, the real Patch. This is a real Patch Adams. There's a real medical doctor. Right. um, Who was training. uh, I went to a holistic medical association conference in Washington, D.C. in 1999, a year before we moved to New Zealand. Oh, okay. I know it was like, it was like, it was like my life was just getting off, you know, taking off. And so Patch was asking, Hey, anybody, Hey docs, Hey nurses. Um, I've got a plane. I'm going to Bosnia to the, well, not exactly Bosnia. We went, we land, we stayed in, in Macedonia, but we'd go over the borders to work in the refugee camps. We're going to go to the refugee camps and help heal the people. Well, anytime anybody's talking about healing my hands, <laughs> I was like, pick me, pick me. And he did pick me. And so I asked, I called my husband back in Colorado and I go, babe, are you okay if I go to Bos- if I go to Macedonia with Patch and uh, like 20 other doctor clowns uh, for, <laughs> doctor for, two, clowns. <laughs> for two weeks? And he goes, uh, what are you talking about? And I go, oh, I'll tell you later, but can I put my name in? And he goes, yeah, do it. So we went, we met in LaGuardia uh, Airport in New York all all of us and we were trained we were dressed in clown at and the I airport never, at the airport yeah we traveled in clown outfits. i love boy that would be scary in this day and age but that must have been a hoot back then yeah it was <laughs> it was pretty interesting definitely gets you out of the comfort zone and um <laughs> but patch insisted show up and begin you know because i'm going to teach you along the way he was like our teacher along the way to to Macedonia. And the key, here's the key. Here's what I learned. We would go into the refugee camps where the women, their husbands had been slaughtered. They'd been massacred. And the women and the children were in the refugee camps and living in these really terrible moldy tents. And they'd come crying and, and, and then we would try and bring in joy and we would laugh with them and smile with them and do the best we could help them out. And the thing that I learned the most is even if you can't speak the language, you can smile. And that lang- the smile is the language. Mm-hmm. And that just shows people that you care about them, that you accept them. And so that changed the way I do medicine. I, I do a lot of smiling with my peeps. Mm, I love yeah. that. Wow. So if you ever so, get a chance to watch the movie, it's really good. Oh, I have with, with oh, okay, uh, Robin good. Williams. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And Patch is still alive. I think he's in his seventies now and he's, his hospital is called Gazuntite in West Virginia. Oh my God. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love it. He's a good guy. Um, yeah. Well, and as I mentioned to you previously, I have a friend who also traveled with him to do clowning as well. So um, this is really exciting. So once you um, got through your own your own crisis, I guess we can call it, um, and you regained your sense of the world, um, you really pursued functional medicine and took a, took an interest in Alzheimer's. Yes. Tell us about that. Oh, wow. There is this amazing doctor. His name is Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote this book in, I think it was 2017, 
uh, I remember Dr. Mark Hyman met, you know, yes. recommending medicine, right? Yeah. He, Mark, Dr. Mark Hyman's my teacher too. I mean, I've got so many mentors that have helped me become who I am. Um, and so anyway, he was introducing Dr. Bredesen and saying, he's just written this book, the end of Alzheimer's. And I was like, oh, cause at that time, my uncle, my uncle Teolito that I wanted to become a doctor like right, was right. starting to show signs of Alzheimer's oh. and the family just was like, Oh, you know, he's just getting old. He's getting old. But I knew that he was showing signs of Alzheimer's. So I would offer ideas, but nobody really wanted to take them up. But anyway, it was because of my uncle that I became very interested in learning how to reverse Alzheimer's. And then Dr. Bredesen was teaching functional medical doctors in 2017. No, I think it was 2018, 2018 through the IFM Institute of Functional Medicine online. So I took that course, got hooked. I started getting patients. Patients started contacting me through the internet. I was like, okay, here we go. Wow. <laughs> and now I've been uh, certified as a Recode 2.0 because that's the name of the program, Recode oh, 2.0. Okay. So I just, I just feel very blessed um, to be helping people get their grandmothers back and their husbands back and grandfathers back. And, and it can be, it can be done. It's, it's work, but you also, you definitely want to do it earlier. You know, you want to, you want to learn how to prevent Alzheimer's and the prevention begins 20 years before you start showing it. And people think, Oh, I'm 40. I can eat and do whatever I want. No, no, no. Not if, if you don't want to have Alzheimer's, guess what? The work starts in your forties. Yeah. Wow. So, so there's a lot of, I, I think we'll have some information in the show notes about all of this. So people can learn more about this. What I'm curious. So, so your, your interest in this really stemmed from your uncle. Yes. That, that's really what, what propelled this. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, in terms of your functional um, medicine training though, was that, so that was the functional medicine was sort of the bridge to taking that and applying that to Alzheimer's. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So yeah. my functional medicine training began in 2005, but then in 2018, I got trained how to reverse Alzheimer's. Right. You okay. know, ending, ending Alzheimer's. And so that's like a subspecialty. So that's a specialty. Right, 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 yeah. right. And have you also done other specialized training with functional medicine as oh, it yeah. applies to anxiety and depression as well? Is that right? Oh yeah. Hormones. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think one thing we haven't really zeroed in on here, and I want to make sure we're clear about this because I, I know quite a bit about functional medicine myself. I've read on it, read up on it and studied it. I'm not an expert, but I've, I'm, I appreciate it. Good. Maybe we could, we could tell our audience just a, in a little more detail exactly what is functional medicine? How does it work? Cause it's not, it's not really that mysterious. It, 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 I think people don't know what it is, but I know if, you know, if anyone watched any of like Mark Hyman's um, programs on PBS, they would get a, a taste of it. But can, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So conventional medicine, I just want to say be, before I begin, functional medicine will be the way we practice medicine in the future. Uh -huh. But when you've got a Titanic 
and you want to move it 180 degrees, it's not done in a day. It's going to take time to reverse the medical system so that they start doing it this way, which makes sense because it helps people not have chronic disease. Right. That's the bottom line is you teach people how to not have chronic disease. Right. Functional medicine. I'll do a comparison. Conventional medicine, which is way the way we're trained in medical school, is people get sick, then they get their body parts referred to a specialist. Right. If you've got a brain problem, you go to a psychologist, or you go to a psychiatrist, or you go to a neurologist. Right. If you've got a heart problem, you go referred to a cardiologist. If you've got a gut problem, you go to a gastroenterologist. You, all these specialties, the, it's one body, but it gets referred out. And so the, the family practice doctor is just like the gatekeeper. Right. Trying to, That's to, right. Okay. That's right. Now in functional medicine, the way we're trained is in, we see the person as a whole, which, you know, that's been my big thing. Yeah. Ever from day one. Trying to take tests. I mean, you got to look at the whole picture. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is where you began, right? Yeah. And so functional medicine is, you know, we look at the whole person and then we start helping them understand. We start doing tests. We don't guess, we test. And then from those tests, we realize, okay, this area, there's a crack in the foundation. There's a crack in the gut foundation. We got to help repair that. Uh, the brain, the brain health is not working well. Well, we got to help repair the brain, you know, and, and and that's just the, you know, the heart problem, heart has problems in the foundation. We start helping the heart get better mm-hmm. and we just take care of the whole person. Now, are the tests the same as they are in Western medicine? Uh, no, they're, ah. they're a little, some are, some yeah. are, but then the other ones are, that's a whole new education in and of okay. itself. Well, I just want people to understand that there's a difference in yes. uh, in some ways. And yes. and that and yet there are there are people practicing functional medicine under the umbrella of a regular medical practice. It's not like you have to go to you know a totally different medical practice necessarily no. to see a physician who practices functional medicine. I, I think it's, you know, I, I want people to understand that it's it's not like something that's so askew from other medical practices and that it it um it's accessible. It is. Right? And if you'd like, you can just um Google IFM.org. I FM, that's Institute of Functional Medicine.org, IFM.org, and find where in your in your area, you know, in America, you just find you just do it the state and find out who's practicing. Like if you if you do it with New Zealand, I'll come up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do Australia, right. I'll come up there too. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, because we're all down under. But right. yeah, so right. So you right. can find right. a physician. Right, right. No, this is great. This is great. Unfortunately, health insurance doesn't pay for a lot of it. <sighs> well, yet, yet, underline yes. bold. Right, right. Increase right, font. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is great. So 
we're going to wrap up now because we've got so much to talk about here. But what I wanted to ask you is since we are here to talk about all the transitions, all the, the movements and the, the things and the places you've been and the changes that you've made throughout your career, it sounds like you've, you've, you've evolved to a place where it just has gotten better and better and better. And I know that people listening are going to want to know, you know, what would be a key piece of advice you might give someone else who's looking to make their life better and better and better? What would be a key piece of advice you might give to someone who's contemplating their next step or their next phase in their career? Well, I believe in God. So I always say, put God first Mm -hmm. and develop a deep, close relationship with God Mm. and um, know that you are here for a reason. You're not here to suffer and just dredge through life and then end up dying. You're here to be alive, sharing your gift, being an amazing person and helping the world with whatever your special gift is. Like you, Tammy, you, I cannot believe the things you've gotten out of me. Not everybody that interviews me gets these things out. So you're really, I love the way you put, you've got a gift of seeing the whole picture from Mm -hmm. somebody's life. So thank you so much for that. And I love that you're helping people understand, you know, that, you can be more there's there's stuff you're going to have to go through there's struggles but you know there's always a dream the struggle and the victory just right. get through the struggle and you'll get to the victory so right. i guess that's my big thing is know that there will have a dream know there's a struggle and there will be victory but you got to get through that struggle part right right i like that no there's, <laughs> no, there's a dream have a yeah. struggle and go for the victory. <laughs> yeah. So I always like, I always show people an arrow and at the big, you know, the arrow goes to the right. And I always say, okay, here's the dream. Here's the struggle. And yeah. that's the victory, but you can't yeah. get to the victory until you go through the struggle. Cause everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. They get their dreams. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But nobody wants to do the hard part. Well, and that's, um, that's the way it is. I mean, you really do have to go through all of that. And it's it's not just for the sake of going through it. There's learning that that evolves through that. That's that's critical. And I heard something just I think it was a podcast or something I was listening to just the other day, something like, um, you know, if if you don't experience some discomfort or uncomfortableness, you're probably going to be just standing still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to be moving forward unless mm-hmm. you do experience some discomfort. It doesn't mean that you have to be miserable. You know, there's a difference between being uncomfortable and being miserable. And so, um, in fact, for some people, sitting still is miserable. So um, on that beautiful note, tell us what's the best place for people to find you. Uh, well, the best place, if you're fighting the war of over anxiety and depression, come check us out on our private Facebook group called The Bossy Brain Solution. 
Okay. The bossy brain solution. And if you want to just get some freebies, um, like learning how to reverse, we've got a ending Alzheimer's masterclass online. Oh, how wonderful. Great. Yes. That's free. So you can just go to doctoronamission.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R on a mission.com. Excellent. That is so generous of you to give. And you'll see my handsome husband too. Nice. (laughs) That's great. Well, listen, this is wonderful. And um, I want to thank you so much for being here today. All of the links and all of the resources that Isabel has pointed us to will be in the show notes. Thank you so much again and um, keep healing. Thank you, Tammy. You remain unstoppable, okay? I will. I All right. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Isabel Hunsinger. It was so interesting to speak with her and learn about her personal and professional journey. What is your key takeaway from our interview? If you are interested in any of the resources or links mentioned in today's show, you can find them on the blog page of my website at TammyGoolerLobe.com. Just look for episode 153. Are you anticipating your next professional move? Perhaps you're just feeling a little stuck. Stay tuned for my new book, Work from the Inside Out, Break Through Nine Common Obstacles to Design a Career that Fulfills You. It'll be available in January 2022 in print and digital ebook editions through my website and at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores. If you were inspired by this episode with Isabel, please share it with your friends and colleagues, and please do subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you enjoying the podcast? I'd really appreciate your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find at TammyGoolerLobe.com forward slash podcasts. Just click on the Apple Podcast button and follow the instructions provided there. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's never too late or too impossible to increase your sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in your work and other meaningful activities. Let me know how it's going for you. I'd love to hear from you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Work From The Inside Out podcast. For more information, you can find us at www dot work from the inside out dot com.